Thanks. All right. Good evening, everybody. Um, Let's start with a word of prayer, okay? So, Lord, we come to you tonight. We just thank you for this evening. We thank you for the spirit of prophecy. We pray that you would just begin to move among us now. We pray that that spirit would just be active in this room, that you would just highlight to us what the spirit is saying. Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see what what you're doing. And Lord, we just pray that each person that made the effort to be here tonight and those that are on their way would be so blessed by you touching them. Lord, we just pray that that you would just touch each and every one. Um, Lord, we just ask for a download from the heavens tonight and that this would be life-changing for many here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, thanks for having me. Um, I always like to talk on either prayer or prophecy, probably my two favorite subjects. But uh, we have the prophetic team, as Christy pointed out. Uh, There'll probably be a few more filtering in. And what they're doing right now as I talk, they're praying for you guys. And we're just waiting to see if the Lord highlights any particular individuals, okay? (laughs) Right there. Uh, So what we're doing is um, we're just going to model for you tonight the spirit of prophecy and how prophecy works. But uh, if you're more interested and if you want some uh, one-on-one time with the team, there's a sign-up upstairs, and we do it on the first and third Wednesday nights, and you can sign up for a time slot, typically 15 minutes, and we have three people on a team that will spend 15 minutes praying prophetically for you, okay? So tonight's just to introduce you to the topic and kind of get you acclimated to it a little bit, and um, so tonight not everybody's going to get a word, but just whoever the Holy Spirit highlights, okay? So one thing I always tell uh, people when I'm ministering is a lot of times, you know, you're the one sitting there and everybody's getting blessed except you. I don't know if you've ever had that happen to you. Seems like whenever I go to a conference, you know, the speaker gets up there and says, you should have been here last night and don't you dare miss tomorrow night. And I'm like, well, I'm here tonight, you know? Um, So it's one of those things that, if the Spirit doesn't highlight you, it's okay. It's just not your turn, your season. And pray for the people who are getting blessed. Um, so we say, bless the blessing. You know, so if someone's getting a word for someone, just say, more, Lord. You know, mm-hmm. hit them. Um, and don't sit there and say, why, why not me? You know, um, because it'll be your turn sometime as well. Okay, so we just want to bless what the, the Spirit is doing. And it doesn't mean that you're not important. The Spirit forgot about you, but it's just tonight we couldn't pray over all of you, okay? It would just take too long. So I encourage you to sign up upstairs. All right, so the message for tonight is living a prophetic lifestyle. You know, how do we go about living a prophetic lifestyle? You know, in 1 Corinthians it says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. So that word... Uh, Desire is zilu, which is zealous, to burn with passion, or to pursue eagerly or intensely. So that's how we should view prophecy, is something that we're very desirous of, something that we're very intense about, something that we're very deliberate about. And it is a gift, but one thing about it as a gift is you can be trained to prophesy, okay? I know that sounds weird, but... If you look at the Old Testament, there were actually companies of prophets, and they would go around and they would be trained up by other prophets. And so we want to make sure that when we get a gift, that we use the gift properly. And uh, so this team, I'm really proud of them. We drilled and 
We did activation exercises for probably two years before we released them to the church. We wanted to make sure that the team was solid, um, that they were biblically based, and that they knew how to handle uh, various situations. So they're a pretty skilled team. And um, we just didn't go at it willy-nilly. You know, it was very deliberate in the training. And they hung in there for a long season. And now as a church, I think we're benefiting. We're reaping the reward as a church because of that team. So you can be taught. You can be trained. Um, like any gift, you know, if someone gives you a gift, you have to learn to use it, right? You know, um, any type of gift that you can think of. I'm trying to think of something that would be appropriate for women. But, you know, if you got like a new sewing machine or, you know, if I got a new shotgun or something, you have to learn how to use it, right? Go out into the field and, and be trained up on it because otherwise a, a gift just sits on the shelf and it's, it doesn't have any life to it. So how do, you, how do you train? How do you use it? We know that the word says in the last days your sons and daughters will prophesy. So you guys are the daughters, all right? So it's not limited just to men. Um, I know John MacArthur just got himself in a lot of trouble yesterday or whenever that happened, right? So um, for the women that didn't hear, he was asked about Beth Moore and uh, what would he say to her and basically he said, go home. Um, and just because you can make jewelry doesn't mean that you can preach. So, um, so I, those attitudes in the church are, fortunately, they're, they're fading away, aren't they? And so, in our church, you know, we, we have probably the majority of our prophecy team is women. And they take the scripture seriously that their sons and daughters will prophesy. So, you know, every lady in this room, I'm believing that you guys are part of that generation of the sons and daughters who will prophesy. And I don't know about you, but that's exciting to think that we can begin to walk in the spirit. And when you start walking in the gifts, and you start exercising your gifts, I guarantee you, your walk will go to another level. When you are intentionally tuned into the heart of God and God starts speaking to you on the behalf of others, it's like literally handing someone a gift. And um, I just love the gift of prophecy. Second to that, I love the gift of healing because nothing better than when God shows up and a miracle happens and you got to just be a party of that, a part of it. Um, there's nothing like that either, but there's something about the prophetic, isn't it? Um, it just like sets people on a course. Um, I've seen so many times when young people got prophesied over, um, it set them uh, on a course for their whole future. And so it's a very important gift, and it's a gift that blesses not only the, the person receiving, but the person giving the gift as well. Okay, so basically I gave you guys an outline. Did everybody get the outline? Okay, so I'm just going to walk through this systematically because I, I just want you to understand that all the senses get involved. So the first thing in learning to prophesy is cultivate the ears of a prophet. We need to learn to hear his voice. Um, knowing his voice is the most crucial part of prophesying, okay? And I want to make something clear. In our church, um, we believe in the fivefold gifts, right? We believe in pastor, teacher, evangelist, prophet, and apostle. But on our team, we don't call ourselves prophets, okay? The prophetic office is a very high calling, and we want to be very careful on how we use terms. Um, we all use the term pastor freely, right? We use teacher freely. We use evangelist freely. But for some reason, 
we're very reserved when it comes to the word prophet or apostle, okay? But we're seeing the restoration of prophets and of apostles in our day, aren't we? But we just want to be very careful when we use terms. So um, the minute someone tells me, hey, someone from your church prophesied over me, and they say a prophet from your church, I'll ask, did they say they were a prophet? And if they say yes, I'll say, well, that was in our church. Because our team knows that we don't call ourselves prophets, okay? Not to say that we can't be prophets one day. That's what we all aspire to, okay? But we're just individuals that move in the gift of prophecy, okay? I just want to make that clear. But how do you cultivate the ears of the prophet? We need to know his voice. And so one of the things that we had in our Discipleship Institute class is a class on hearing God's voice. Did anybody ever take Mark Burkler's uh, course, Hearing God's Voice? Wow, great, a lot of you have. Um, Mark Burkler wrote a course, and he sought the Lord for a year and how to seek and hear God's voice. It's great material, it's a great course. Uh, maybe we'll teach that sometime. And he lays out the principles on how to hear God's voice. And in that, he discusses that voices come from three places, right? And we've all seen the cartoons where the little devil's on one shoulder and the little angel's on the other shoulder, and then the mouse or whoever the character is is hearing their own thoughts as well. And so every day we're being bombarded, right, by voices. And so we need to tune out the enemy's voice, right? We should get to a place in our walk where the enemy has no pull, he has no say, he has no influence, and he doesn't ever have our ear. And the minute we hear it, you should be at a point in your walk where it's laughable. Like sometimes the enemy will say something in my ear and seriously, I've busted out laughing sometimes. Like seriously, you're gonna try that one? You know, and so as you mature, as you walk and you start to recognize those voices and it's really funny sometimes when you see the enemy tapping someone else on the shoulder and it's like, oh, I hope they, I hope they recognize that it's the enemy's voice. There's also our thoughts, right? Our thoughts are, uh, you know, we know our thoughts. We know how we think. And then there's the Holy Spirit. And when you hear the Holy Spirit, there's nothing like it because you're even saying, wow, that was pretty profound. I couldn't have came up with that. That's something that's super natural in nature because I'm not that smart, I'm not that wise. That was right from God. He just dropped that nugget in my heart. And so when you're pastoring or ministering to a friend, um, it's amazing when God shows up like that and he gives you the key to their heart or whatever their struggle is. So learning to cultivate that, learning to hear God's voice. And so in your quiet time, you're confident, you take out your journal, and you can start writing pages because God is just downloading to you things. And so prophecy is just tuning in that hearing into a place that, that has come so natural that you begin to flow when you're praying for other people. Or when you're just looking at people, God will just start sharing stuff with you. Uh, many of you know I worked at GM for 25 years, and um, my best friend was a prophet, and I will call him a prophet because he truly was a prophet of God, and God used me as the pastor in the workplace, and this guy would, I call them prophetic ambushes. He'd pull over someone in the hall and say, you, the Lord is saying this, and uh, they would just turn into a puddle of goo, and I'd say, hey, let's go in this conference room. I'll just explain what just happened to you, you know, and, and pastor them, because sometimes the prophetic can be very sharp, right? And uh, so I, I would minister to these people, but the prophetic word was God getting their attention. And so 
when God is speaking all the time like that, you'll get to a point where he's sharing stuff with you and you have to ask God, you know, why are you sharing that with me? Why are you telling me that? I'll say a little bit more about that in a couple minutes. But um, just want you to be tuned in. God is speaking all the time. And I use the example of this room right now, in this room, there are radio signals and TV signals in this room, uh, Wi-Fi signals in this room. And if you tune to the right frequency, you can pull those signals in, right? If you have a crystal radio, you can just dial in, um, you know, 9.50 a.m. Or you can hit our Bluetooth and our Wi-Fi for our Internet because the signals are all over this room. And it's the same with God. God is speaking all the time. Sometimes he's speaking audibly. Sometimes he's speaking through the word. Sometimes he's speaking through the individual that's talking to you. And so we're constantly being bombarded with, with God's voice. And so are you hearing it? Are you tuning into it? Do you recognize it? And if you do, start writing it down. Start tuning into it and asking God the next question. Okay, Lord, what do I do with this information? All right? Uh, James says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Um, it's advice I wish I would take more often, you know, because we all get ourselves in trouble, right, with our mouths. But, but if you are slow to speak, if you can just learn to listen. Uh, prayer has been that way for so many people. They learn to pray by just going through the laundry list, right? You just sit there and you just start blasting God with the list takes you five minutes to go through the list forward backward sideways and then you're done because you've prayed but real prayer true prayer is listening prayer it's sitting down before God and saying Lord I'm here for you what do you want to say to me and when you tune in and you start to hear his voice it's it's a game changer I can't explain to you enough to to learn to hear that um, one of my favorite worship songs by Jason Upton I don't know if you guys know who Jason Upton is, but he has a song called In the Silence, and it's a remarkable song, and he's just singing about the fact that God is talking to him all the time, but he talks in the silence, and so we don't like silence, do we? You know, we sit there, and we wait, and we don't hear anything. We get frustrated, and we're like, God never speaks to me, but I guarantee you, if you will push through that silence and stop talking yourself and start listening, God will show up. And, and he's speaking, and sometimes we're just too busy or we're too chatty to hear ourselves, right? So learning that, that discipline is really important. So cultivating the ears of a prophet are very important. The second part is cultivating the eyes of a prophet. Many times the prophetic is symbolized with uh, an eagle, right? Um, whenever you see any graphics that talk about a prophecy meeting or announcements it's usually an eagle right on the cover of all the prophecy books are eagles why is that it's because the eagle has such keen vision right and uh, so that's the prophetic seeing with the eyes of a prophet and nobody modeled this better than Jesus right and one of the things that we constantly learn and constantly drill on our prophecy team is learning to see with God's eyes learning to see in the spirit because, you know, so many times we get tripped up by someone's appearance or what they're wearing or their facial expressions, right? And many times we can be offstandish because we don't like the way someone looks or the way they looked at me or um, maybe they seemed uppity or 
whatever the case may be, but I, I want to encourage you to look past the exterior, look past the outer, and look into the inner. Look into the spirit. And we call that looking for the gold, you know? And, and the prayer that I say all the time under my breath, God, what do you see in this person? What is it about this person that's special? And if you start there, if you start with that question, you'll be well on your way to prophesying over people because you know what? That's what God looks at. He's not fooled by the exterior. He's not fooled by the expressions. And what he's doing is he's looking right at the heart. And if you can touch that gold spot, that thing that only that person and God knows, and you speak that out as a word of knowledge, guess what? You got their undivided attention, don't you? And uh, it may be a gift, it may be someone special to them, it may be a name, it may be a possession, but when you minister that way, um, all of a sudden you have their attention, especially when you can touch that gold spot in them. So constantly saying, look for the gold, you know? So that's your prayer. When you come into a room and you just, Lord, show me what's the gold in that person. And all of a sudden you change, don't you? You don't look at people so critically anymore. You start looking at people to say, what's different about them? What's unique about them? Instead of just trying to ascribe motives to them or accusing them. Um, many of you heard my testimony many times, but that's how I got involved in the whole prayer movement is I was reading a book by Rick Joyner and he made a statement. He said, you are either an accuser or an intercessor. Amen. Now I was a very um, accusatory person. I had a very critical spirit. I was trained as an engineer. I was trained to look for the fatal flaw in everything. And unfortunately, I, I used that on people too. I could tell you what you were thinking or what you're gonna do before you even knew you were gonna do it. Because, and I'm not trying to sound prideful, I'm just looking for the weakness. And tell you what, you start looking for someone's weakness, you're gonna see it, you're gonna spot it, right? But if you start looking for their strength and the, the gold, you're gonna see that as well. So it's just changing your perspective, right? Just changing your attitude. So Lord, show me what's special, what's unique about that person. And I guarantee you, he will do it. Um, one of the things that we do as a drill on our team is we'll actually do mystery guests. We'll call people on the phone. We'll be in the prayer room and we'll have a team in the prayer room and we'll call someone on the phone. Has anybody been one of our mystery guests in the past? Nobody? But we'll do that because one of the things we want to do is we want to teach the team not to be thrown off by facial expressions or body language, right? Because we're communicating all the time, aren't we? And uh, nothing worse than when you're trying to prophesy for someone and they got the biggest spirit of doubt on them. And all of a sudden you just feel like you're tanking and uh, you're like, oh, Lord, this is not going well. And so what that does sometimes, it will keep you from prophesying exactly what God is showing you because of the whole fear of man thing, right? And so using your eyes and looking into the heart, looking into the spirit, looking for the gold. Okay, next, cultivating the voice of a prophet. This is really important, um, learning how to speak prophetically. Because one of the things that happened when I first started speaking um, as a young minister, um, my mentor, the man who discipled me, came to hear me speak and uh, he was part of Toastmasters. Anybody from Toastmasters? Oh, okay, yeah. So, uh, so he knew all the Toastmaster critiques and stuff like that. So when I was done speaking, he slipped me a piece of paper 
And, you know, here I thought he'd say, oh, you did such a good job. I was so happy to be here. You know, you, you imagine how it's going to go, right? And uh, it was like 32 critiques and probably two compliments. But the one that really hit me hard, and I've never conquered it yet, but I'm trying, is he said, you said, um, 32 times. <laughs> um, 32 times. He counted them. And I'm just like, you counted how many times? He says, yeah, there probably were more, but <laughs> he said 32 times. And he said, what you need to do is you need to weed out the word um from your vocabulary. You know, because I was stalling or uh, taking a pause. And, you know, I just thought it was good for the listener, you know, sometimes give them a... But I always say, um, and I, I know I'm still doing it. You guys have been listening for all the time. Okay, start the counter, Paula. Start the counter. So, <laughs> but anyways, uh, what that did is the advice part of it was really good because it made me aware and conscious to weed it out of my daily vocabulary. So the same thing with us. If, you know, if we're prone to gossip, if we're prone to being critical, you need to weed that out of your daily speech. You know, and stop criticizing, stop gossiping. Because if you want God to use you, you can't have that spirit and you can't have that kind of speech in you, right? Because James says fresh water and salt water can't come from the same spring. Mm -hmm. And so you have to learn to purge your speech of all that negativity. And sure. um, I'd love to stand up here and tell you ladies I got this nailed, but I don't. <laughs> you know, I still struggle with it all the time. Um, but I understand the cost of being that way because it hinders your prophetic voice, doesn't it? And what would happen if I went off on somebody at a store and somebody was behind me in line that knew me? You know, it would just like totally ruin my credibility, wouldn't it? So, so I, I'm learning to weave that out of my daily speech patterns. Again, not successful all the time, but getting better, okay? So it's really important to cultivate the voice of the prophet. So speak life. Um, speak prophetically um, to your spouse, to your children. I'm talking on every level. One of my wife's favorite saying is speak life. Uh, again, you know, she had to put up with my critical spirit for 35 years. And whenever I go down a road, especially if it's something about politics or something, she always says, speak life. And it, it, it's a correction, isn't it? And it's like, yeah, that's right. I got to learn to speak life. So I appreciate that. Okay, um, you guys doing all right? Great. Okay, start cultivating your prophetic history. Um, this one's really important. When David uh, was facing Goliath, I don't know if you remember the story, but Saul was trying to put the armor on David, and David said, no, this isn't me, this doesn't fit. And Saul was kind of marveling at David's courage. And he said, what makes you think you can take on this giant? And David's response was, I fought the lion and I fought the bear. And he goes, this guy's going to go down just as hard as they did. And David had a prophetic history, didn't he? He had a history with God. And so he knew that he was anointed to be the next king. He knew that he had the ability to kill a lion, to kill a bear. So he knew that God was going to deliver him in that specific situation, didn't he? And so same with us. You know, every time God uses you, every time God shows up, document it. You know, these phones are amazing. And I could show you guys, uh, you know, if somebody wants to see it individually, uh, notepad on my, my iPhone, I just, every time God shows up, I date it and I write it down. And I just got testimony after testimony. 
and I just can scroll and scroll and scroll. And what does that do? That serves me in times of uh, temptation. It serves me in times of trial. It serves me well in times of uh, when I'm having a faith crisis and I start reading, oh, God this, did this, and he did that. And, you know, all of a sudden, when you're five layers down, it's like all of a sudden you think you can do anything because God has shown up all those times before. And so I really, really rely on that. So I encourage you to use a prophetic history like that and document all the times that God shows up. And there's nothing like it. Uh, write out prophetic words, dreams, and visions. And there's something when you write them down and you go through the exercise of writing it down, it takes it out of the spirit realm, right? Out of the heavenly realm, and it grounds it into the earthly realm. And writing it down is important. I know we all record it. That's important to record it. But transcribe the recording as well because recordings are invisible and they're hard to find a word when you're looking for a word. On my phone, I can just fly through there and it's like, oh, there's that word about Hannah right there I was looking for. You know? And so when you have the written word, and you know, some of you are way more organized, maybe you'll do an index and stuff like that. I keep a steno notebook and um, whenever I had like dreams or prophetic words, I always leave the first five sheets or so in the beginning blank. And then when that notebook's full, I would do like a little index, you know, a word about the car or a word about the house or whatever, and then just have that index. And that's really good because when you're looking, you know, over years and years of prophetic words, it helps you to index them and find them rather quickly, right? So uh, write them out. Refer to them often. You know, constantly review those words because it's such a faith builder, and it really helps you, like I said, in times of trouble, but even when times are going good, it's just like, all of a sudden, you'll just start praising, like, oh, yeah, God, I can't believe you did that, and uh, so I, I just love reviewing those words. Um, keep, keep the journal, like I said, many of you do journal, but I know a lot of you don't. Um, stop resisting that, you know, because... <laughs> Um, we've taught that so many times, you know, from the pulpit, we teach it from our DI classes, we teach it in our Wednesday night classes, and we talk all the time about keeping a journal because it's having that prophetic history, it's keeping that history of everything that God says. And the thing that a journal does for me most often is when God stops talking, I go into my journal and it's like, oh, oh, here it is. You know, he hasn't talked in two months and start going backtracking. The word was clean your room. Page before that, clean your room. Page before that, clean your room. And you understand it's just a metaphor, right? Yeah. But, but whatever God is saying, all of a sudden he stops talking, right? You moms know, you fathers know, even if you're a child, you keep telling someone over and over to do something, then what happens? You go silent, don't you? You're just like, that's it. I'm not... I'm not going to talk about it anymore. And so a lot of times my journal has been a major clue to why God has stopped talking. And it's because I haven't obeyed or complied with something that he's asked me to do. So it's very instrumental in that. Okay? Um, last, the um, anatomy of a prophetic word is uh, really important. So we teach that there's three parts to every prophetic word. First of all, there's the revelation, right? So that's the information. What is God saying? What is the Spirit showing you? Um, what did you hear? So you write down the revelation. And um, 
Most of the times it's supernatural, sometimes it's not. You know, uh, we talk about dreams sometimes. Sometimes a dream is just a pizza dream. Sometimes it's from God, right? But, but the thing is, is, just write down what the revelation is. Then second, what's the interpretation? You know, what does it mean? And the best person to interpret any prophetic word or any dream is you, the dreamer, or you, the receiver of the word. You can ask people what they think it means, but I'll tell you what, every time the dreamer or the person that received the word understands the word the best. Mm -hmm. And so understand the interpretation, that's where most words break down, right? We understand the revelation, but we get the interpretation wrong. So be very careful when, when you pray about the interpretation and make sure that you're very solid on the interpretation because um, I've seen so many prophetic words go astray on the interpretation. And I could tell you stories all night um, where, where people get it wrong. Um, we are at the National Day of Prayer at GM one time and you know it was an ecumenical event as you can imagine, Baptists, Catholics, Charismatics. And, and so a lot of the people that weren't Charismatic uh, were there and the charismatics were giving them some prophetic words. And one guy in particular, uh, a person in our group said, I see a vision of a street light and it's one of those street lights from New Orleans. And it looks like a street lamp in Mardi Gras. And so um, this guy was all excited. His dream was always to move back to New Orleans. And so when he heard that prophetic word, not being skilled in the prophetic, he took that as a sign from God to quit his job and move his family to New Orleans, which was an idol in his heart. And so he went right back to his workspace and he quit his job very unceremoniously. <laughs> That's a word. Um, put it this way, he, he used a lot of gusto when he left. He told his boss he wasn't coming in anymore. Went home and told his wife, well, you can imagine she had a fit. And uh, the guy lost his job based on what he interpreted as, as a prophetic word. And so that's the danger, right, in, in a wrong interpretation. And I can tell you story after story of people who get the interpretation wrong. And that may not be a wrong interpretation, but it might have been a timing thing, right? right. Yeah, yeah, you're going to move to New Orleans, but not until you retire or something, right? What's the rest of the word? So you got to be very, very careful in that. And so I'll give you a couple guidelines in a minute on, on words like that. Um, and then third, the application. You know, you get a word, then what do you do with it? And that's really important to know what to do with a word. Um, so the application. So an uh, example I use all the time, we were in a small group, like a community group. I don't know what you guys call them. Many churches, you know, every church has names for these, uh, yeah, home groups. And so I was in this home group, and we were in this group for a year, and the host home was a beautiful home. The lady of the house was very well-kept, very together, uh, very professional. And during that year, we all cracked. You know, everybody got ministered to. Everybody, somebody that Friday would be in the barrel, you know. But this lady never had her turn in the barrel. <laughs> And she was a tough nut to crack. And so it was our last night. Our last night we're meeting. And so we're just like going around and we're just like having an open time of prayer. And we said, okay, if God highlights anything, just, just pray. So I'm praying and I'm sitting next to her and I see this television screen, black and white. And all of a sudden I'm like, that's an ultrasound. And I see this baby 
being sucked out by a vacuum. So I'm, I'm seeing uh, an abortion in, in my uh, mind's eye, right? And so everything in me wanted to turn to her and say, hey, guess what? <laughs> but I stopped myself because of my training, and I said, Lord, what do I do with this word? So luckily, I prayed because I would have just said it, and what a mess that would have been. So the Lord told me to whisper in her ear. And so I turned to the woman, and I whispered in her ear. So I'm sitting on her left. She's in the middle. Her husband's on the right. And I said, I see an abortion. And I said, I think you've had an abortion. And boom, that was it. She just, like, crumbled. And she just started sobbing unconsolably. And her husband's looking at me like, I'm going to punch your lights out. <laughs> I have no idea what you're going to say to my wife. But you're in trouble, buddy. You know? And I just, like, told him, I said, you need to talk to her privately after the meeting. And uh, so anyways, she had been married for 15 years. She had an abortion because when they were engaged to be married, she had an affair. She got pregnant, so she didn't know whose baby it was. And so she went and got the abortion. Totally regretted it. Solid Christian um, teenager at the time. And uh, she'd been keeping this secret from her husband for 15 years. And after she confessed and confided in him, guess what? Everything broke. Uh, she was able to open her heart. She was so guarded. She was just so frigid. She was just so, you know, don't touch me. She couldn't be intimate. And so all of a sudden, her husband got his wife back, and he was so thrilled. So in her thinking, he was going to be furious. He was going to be so mad. And what it did, it actually served to heal their marriage. So it's an amazing thing. Yeah, turned everything around. So. Um, that's the application. So what do I do? Because you want to make sure you're not causing the messes. You know, we want to contain the messes. Uh, the messes. We don't want to be the ones creating them. So here, trust and obey. I got that down as number four. It's just a matter of hearing God, trusting that you're hearing God, trusting that it is from God. If you're not sure, wait, right? Wait on it. Wait for a confirmation. It's one of the best things about the prophetic is... More than anything, when people come out of the prophecy rooms, the thing we hear probably almost 100% of the time is it was a confirmation, okay? Not usually new information, but confirmations. And how many times do you need those confirmations, you know? I, I um, whenever I travel with my wife, you know, it's very hard for me to sleep in the car. And probably the one or two times I did in our whole married life, when I woke up, we weren't where we were supposed to be, right? And so I remember one time, uh, we were heading to Florida, and somehow we're in Chicago. <laughs> Backtracked five hours to Chicago, and uh, I wasn't too happy. But what I learned to appreciate is on the highway, you know, you got those signs that say nine-mile road, eight-mile road, you know, they, they tell you exit, or they'll say east point next two exits. So you, you have a feel for where you're at. But the signs I appreciate the most are these little shields, and they're every mile, East I-94, right? Yeah. And so first thing I learn to do is when I wake up, it's like, where's the shield? You know, are we still on southbound I-75, you know? And, and so I appreciate those, and that's kind of what the prophetic's like, right? It's like those little shields where God says, keep it where you got it. Or it might be, uh, you need to turn around. You're, you're in the wrong direction. Okay, so the prophetic does that. 
And then last, uh, I just want to hit how to receive a word yourself. It's very important that you understand how to receive a prophetic word. Uh, number one, always record it, write it down. I, I think I've beat that one to death tonight, but just want to make sure you understand that. Write it down so that you can pray about it, so that you can pray through it, so that you can bounce it off your spiritual leaders, your mentors. Um, you know, always share with your authorities, you know, what the word is if, if you need confirmation or does this sound right to you? Because you never want to act on a word unless you're 100% certain it's from God. A word should never be afraid to be tested. So when people come into the prophecy room, the first thing we tell them is turn on your recorder or bring someone with you to write it down uh, because we're not afraid to be tested. Um, in fact, it's probably saved us more than it's hurt us because a lot of times people, they're excited or they'll give you a wild paraphrase of what they think you said. Um, nothing worse than when you preach a message and then somebody comes back and quotes you and it's like, oh my Lord, I would have never said anything remotely like that. But, oh no, you said that. And I'm just like, oh boy. So anyways, a word should never be afraid to be tested. Okay, and so we, we always encourage people. So tonight... You know, if someone starts prophesying over you, make sure you hit your record button. Or um, I was just at a meeting Friday night, and they started ministering prophetically, and um, the lady zeroed in on me. And so my wife just hit the record button on her phone, and I just appreciated that she mm -hmm. did that for me. And so first thing I did when I got home, I just transcribed the word. And now I got that word in my journal, and I can go back and review it. But, uh, you know, if you're there with a friend or somebody... You know, transcribe it for them, record it for them. First time I got a word, um, I didn't know about that, you know, and that's before iPhones existed. But you could have brought your own recorder, but I didn't bring my recorder. So as soon as I got out, I'm just like feverishly writing down what I could remember of the word. And I know I missed a lot. And so um, now we have the luxury of these phones that you can record it and write it down. Um, number two, I got pray, pray, pray. Always pray when someone gives you a word. Pray about it. Pray about it some more. And then pray about it again because you don't want to miss it. Um, number three, is any of it true? You know, um, a lot of times, you know, we prophesy according to 1 Corinthians. You know, we want to encourage, um, edify, and comfort. Uh, but sometimes an exhortation or an edification can be kind of a rebuke sometimes, right? We don't think of it that way. But, but uh, you know, is it true? Lord, is it really right? So, you know, you want to be able to ask that. I have in parentheses there, candle it. You know, if you're from this church, you know what that term means. I've said it a million times. But um, a candle, uh, candling it means um, egg farmers will actually take eggs and hold them up to a candle. And they'll see if there's life in, you know, is that egg fertilized or not fertilized? If it's fertilized, it goes into the hatchery, right? If it's not fertilized, it goes into the bucket to the bakery. Right? And so if it's not a, a word from God, you hold it up to the light, the candle. God is that light. The word is that light. Just throw it out. Don't get tripped up. Don't freak out. You know, just, I don't receive that. And uh, go to your spiritual authority. You know, do you bear witness to this? No, that's, that's garbage. Throw it out. Um, no need to get all crazy about it. I don't know how else to say it because people get panicky. But... Usually when that happens, it's usually a pretty accurate word. <laughs> it's just something they didn't want to hear, but not always. Okay? Um, and then one of the things that uh, I'll just end with this story real quick. About six months ago, we were called to um, 
Kensington Church had a group of people who were meeting informally. It wasn't a church-sanctioned group. And there's about 15 believers, and they were hungry for the Holy Spirit. They wanted to go deeper, and they didn't feel like they were getting that kind of training in their church. And they had heard about our prophetic teaching. In fact, one of them took the DI class on prophecy. And so they invited us to come and model it for their group, and they asked if we uh, would teach them the six-week course. And um, you know, I was happy to do it, but the first night we went there, there were about 15 people, and brought three people with me from the prophecy team. And so we prayed over these 15 people, and each of us had at least one word for each person. It took a long time, that's why we can't pray for you all tonight. But you know, it takes a while. So um, we prayed a couple hours, like two and a half hours. And so three prophecies times 15 people, that's like 45 words plus some. And uh, you know, we were hitting on all cylinders, man. The Spirit of God was there that night, and everybody in the room knew each other, except the three of us. We didn't know anybody. And uh, you know, they're all nodding their approval. They're all smiling. We're like, man, this is great. And then all of a sudden, I prayed over this one lady, and um, I gave her this. This was the word I gave her. I said, I see you standing in a lake. You're standing in water. I said, you're ankle deep, and now you're waist deep. I said, but that's as far as you'll go. I said, something's holding you back. It's someone or something is holding you back. And I said, I hear the Lord saying he wants you to be all in. All of a sudden, all the tongues started clicking. The head started wagging. People's eyes started rolling. They're just like, he really missed it. You know, I see them all, you know, mouthing that, you know, blew it, blew it, blew it. So all the way home, right? What are you thinking? You know, 45 home runs, one strikeout, and that's all I'm thinking about is the word that went awry, you know? So two weeks, because um, we were meeting every other week, two weeks go by, come back to that group, and first thing the lady says in front of the whole group, and I really appreciated this, she says, you know, she goes, you gave me that word about not being all in. Oh, and I meant to say this, during that, Everybody in the group was defending this lady. They're like, you got that all wrong. If anybody's all in, it's her. You know, she's the most all-in person you'll ever meet. You know, so they're just like making me feel worse, you know. So, um, so I come back, she says, you know, you gave me that word about being all in. You said I was holding back. You told me, um, you know, that you saw me in water waist deep. She goes, you know what I did? She goes, I prayed about that word. And she said, you know what God told me? I said, what? He said, he wanted me to be baptized. He wanted me to be water baptized. And she said, I've always resisted being baptized. He wanted me all in. He wanted me under the water, fully immersed. And um, so it was just like, I said, so what did you do? She goes, I went to my pastor. She goes, the next Sunday, she goes, I was baptized. She goes, I'm all in. So you see how it works sometimes? It's really amazing. So even if you prophesy over somebody and they don't receive it, you know, again, just wait on God. You know, let God work and, and it'll minister to someone. And I'll tell you what, the words to me that have the most profound impacts are the ones that initially were strongly rejected, you know, by, by the receiver. Because sometimes you hit pay dirt, don't you? And you're like, oh, I didn't bear witness to that. So, but when they think about it, when they pray about it, what a great mature way to handle a word. This is a, a new believer. She didn't know what to do. 
We didn't give any instructions, but she went home and she prayed about it. She sought God on it, mm -hmm. and God yes. confirmed it to her. Isn't that amazing? That so, amazing. so that should be our heart whenever you get a word. Wow. Lord, what do I do with this, right? Okay, so what we're going to do, uh, we're going to have the team. They've been sitting here. They've been praying for you guys. I'm going to bring them up. Um, so why don't you guys just come up here? We'll just stand up here. And what we're going to do, we're just going to start calling out people that God is highlighting, and we're going to give you a word. But before we do that, uh, we're in a public place, and we don't want to embarrass anybody. So if you're not comfortable with getting a word, I just ask that you would sit on that side of the room. Okay? Just go sit on another table on the right side. Um, but, if, but if you're open and you want to receive a word... Um, uh, just stay where you're at, but if you don't want to receive a word publicly, if they get something or have something for someone that goes over there, they can give it to you privately afterwards. Does that sound good? Okay, so guys, come, come over this way if you could. Um, so we got uh, Theo, Arlene, Jan, and Jordan, and they've been praying, like I said, and I'm just going to turn them loose, and you guys, just as God highlights someone to you, or, and they've been taking notes why I was speaking to um, so we're just going to minister prophetically okay and we're going to yeah. be as quiet as we can yeah and I might interject a couple things as we go along if that's okay so okay so I have a word for D um, the Lord I feel wants to really let you know very much how much he loves you and even though the devil tried his hardest to make it look like he does not, like you're a stepchild, you're not a stepchild in God's family. You're going to come through the trials with flying colors. And God will make uh, your testimony that you'll eventually have a blessing to not hundreds, but thousands. I really felt that in my spirit. Okay, um, uh, two scriptures that I felt the Lord gave me for you, um, and you know them well, I'm sure. The joy of the Lord hmm. is your strength. And also, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Paul said they're from the dungeon. And uh, I feel maybe sometimes you felt like you were in a dungeon. But God wants you to keep on rejoicing even when it doesn't look like things change for the better. Okay, does anybody else have anything for D? We'll do it that way. So if anybody As she was speaking, what I got D was, um, the, I felt like the Lord was saying that the, this level of trust he's bringing you into, it's the faith in him and not your abilities. A lot of people have gone to you for so many things, and they look to you to look to God for things. But the Lord's taking that away from you. He's taking that into a different direction because he's leading he wants you to trust him in a new level, a total surrender of, of him, uh, before him, surrendering your will for his will, no matter what that looks like. Okay, anybody else for you? Okay. Who's next? Yep, Michelle. Okay. Wait a minute. I, I, oh, I just got that. Um, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Scripture, Proverbs three, five, and six. But really, trust in the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit. And if you do, 
you'll see him do great exploits and you'll just be overwhelmed by what he's going to do in and through you. Okay, Michelle. Hey, Michelle. Yeah. Right, I feel that the Lord has given you a servant's heart. Uh, you have a desire to serve. But at this point, I feel he wants to spend more time with him. And he gave me the uh, Psalm 23, especially in the parts where it says, he leads me beside still waters. And after that, after he was saturated more and more, the Lord will open new doors for him. He's also going to give you a greater boldness, more than you displayed. Anybody else for the show? Uh, yeah, I felt like uh, Michelle, the Lord, wanted to remind you um, all the prayers that you've forgotten, he's held on to. Um, and even though we forget, he hasn't. So um, hold on to the promises that he's told you years ago, days ago, weeks ago, um, because those things, whereas we may have forgotten them, um, they're still alive and he's still working in those things. So um, there's still hope in those things that you might have forgotten you're praying for, things you didn't see breakthrough in that you moved on from. Um, he just wants to let you know that he's still working in those things. Yeah, and Michelle, I got um, for you just a, uh, oops, 